Hey, y'all, before we get started, uh, we get told all the time that newbies will find the show and they'll start from episode one and work their way through. And it just means so much to Rich and I. And we just wanted to ask a favor of you, if that's you, if you've been enjoying the show, if you've been learning a lot, if you will leave an honest review over on your Apple podcasting app, or if you're listening on Spotify, you can leave a review there. We want to hear from you. We want to know how we can improve the show, how we can be better. It only takes a second. So if you'll leave us an honest review over on wherever you're listening to, we'd be forever grateful. Now let's get into the show. Hey, newbies, we are back with another Q&A episode. So we got a Google Sheet, which Heather thinks is a really boring term, but we have a Google Sheet with all your questions. We're going to make sure you know who asked it, who answered it, and we're going to get to it in three, two, one. Look, are you interested in investing or collecting NFTs, but are overwhelmed with all the information? Heather and I, we're true, true NFT newbies. We're gonna break it down as we're learning, as we wander unafraid into the world of digital art. Listen, y'all, we're gonna cure you of your FOMO, mildly educate you and give our unqualified opinions and hopefully have a lot of laughs along the way. What's up, family? I know Rich said that we had a Google spreadsheet, but I don't want that to discourage you from today's episode because it's going to be fire. We are going out straight on Instagram to at Carmel Jenkin, and it says, what could artists do with the physical work once the digital version is sold? I feel weird putting it on my website to sell to my usual buyers. I feel like they wouldn't want the physical one once the digital version is sold. So I'm finding it hard to actually market myself as both a traditional artist and an NFT artist. Richard, what to do? We got a couple people in the community involved. So while you were in Paris doing a cafe and bread. Now I'm doing the twerking under the Eiffel. You were twerking under the Eiffel Tower? While eating bread. It was beautiful. You loved it. With pinky out and drinking an espresso. So we got some help from the community. And we got Mark Greenfield. I listened to this clip. And I know you listened to it already. Dude awesome. sounds real proper like. But he doesn't pull any punches. This is what Mark had to say. Not legal or financial advice. But owning an NFT does not automatically grant any rights to any associated physical asset. Maybe someday, new laws will make it straightforward to connect NFTs with physical assets. But for now, you can do basically whatever you want in this regard. In terms of satisfying the community, however, I imagine it boils down to how you present the NFT and physical sale components. If you tell your NFT community that they own the rights to the underlying artwork by purchasing the NFT, even if there is not necessarily legal backing to this claim, and then you sell copies or prints, that would be considered fraud, at least in the court of public opinion. You will go down with the rug pulls and would deserve to. Leaving it ambiguous is also increasingly problematic as the community develops in sophistication and structure. On the other hand, you could say upfront that the NFT is separate from owning the artwork and that you will still offer prints or the original of the underlying artwork. I think this could work well. I remember having a special edition Blastoise Pokemon card as a kid, and it made me feel like it was more special than owning any other Blastoise card, even though the only difference was a little marker on it. Owning the NFT for the artwork could be like having the special edition, while other physical prints, or even the original, can be sold for those who want the art rather than the digital collectible. Perhaps you could even offer a discount on the physical art to NFT owners. As long as you're clear and upfront about your intentions, it seems like the NFT community is willing to try out different models. All right, two quick things that caught my attention. I love when he said, 
you can do whatever you want. You're a rebel, Rich. Because that's what we do. We do whatever we want. But yes, theoretically, we can do whatever we want, right? But he also said, if you want to go down with the rug pulls, then go ahead. So you don't want to be wrapped up in that category. Mark made it very clear that being fraudulent with your community is probably not a good idea. And you don't have to be fraudulent, Heather, if you are what? Transparent, honest, open. Yeah. What is the thing that you always say to me? You're like, what do I know? Who needs to know? And what's the other no? Do they know? Do they know? Those three questions right there. I think if you're going above and beyond making sure that you're fully transparent, whatever you do, it's going to help you. What do you know? Who needs to know? And do they know? I got the applause right here. Very well. So we got Buddy Scalera who weighed in on this on the Twitter machine. He wrote, short answer. And again, the question is, what can artists do with the physical work after the digital is sold? Short answer, yes. As a working comic book professional, I'm seeing a lot of creative NFT projects. Comic creators are in a perfect position to sell digital and physical copies of their work. In comics, you can sell a comic book, you could sell a print of the art, and even the original art. So the options are plentiful, but the option to be anything less than completely honest is not plentiful. So just tell the truth. Now, Heather, you said someone left a comment about graduating from being a newbie or something. What's up? Yeah. So in our Discord, uh, someone said, and I'm paraphrasing here, they said, I'm going to be honest with you guys. I've stopped listening to your podcast over the past few months because I've been in the NFT space for four months now. So I'm not a newbie anymore. However, it was a big mistake because he said that he went back and listened to our episode on IP rights with Bennett. And he said, oh my gosh, I learned so much. And I listened to a few more. It was a big mistake not listening. You guys offer a lot beyond the newbie side. And that meant a lot to me because I have full transparency to those of you listening. Rich and I, the whole premise of the show is us documenting our journey learning. And it hasn't been a clear line in the sand of like, okay, we're a newbie, we're not a newbie or whatever. We just want to create an atmosphere where people aren't afraid to ask newbie questions, even if we're tackling a little bit more complex topics. So it meant a lot to me that they shared that. Uh, What are your thoughts, Rich? Are we newbies still? What do you think? No, my thoughts are there is no cage. The door's open. Spread your wings. Spread your wings. Go do your thing. If you got to go, go. We get it. We get it. Like there's newbies coming in every day. If you listen to us and kind of quote unquote graduate from some of the content, Dude, we still love you. And we you, we will never we uh, take job. for granted the fact that so many of you have contributed to helping other people out and helping us build this community. And if you come back, we'll be here kicking it around, doing good things. And the next question is from Discord. This is from NFT Trek. I've seen your name around a lot. Thanks for coming on our IG Lives. That are Tuesdays and Thursdays at 3 p.m., by the way, everybody. I originally posted this in Newbie Questions. He's talking about the Discord machine. So if you're not there, get there. But I meant to post it here, he says. How do you know exactly what utilities are built into an NFT? Can you see it in plain English somewhere, not code? Basically, how do you know exactly what you are buying? Will it burn in two years? Will it have a clause that prevents a certain sale? Or will it be licensable? That's hard to say. And how do you really know if there is any utility? Can utilities be completely hidden? There's no freaking way, man. There's no way you actually know if anyone's going to fulfill on their shit. There's no algorithmic code that binds them to that. The algorithmic code, and the more I've kind of learned about this, it's again, we've said it, it's very simple. If this, then that. That just means transactionally, if I pay for this, I get that. And if there's something written in code, like this is not like 
I can buy this NFT from Heather and it means she needs to send me a really cool mug with our faces on it. Like there's nothing in algorithmically that's going to be attached to a smart contract like that. The utility comes in plain English from the people on their roadmap or on their website or on their Discord or whatever it may be. Like there's nothing for gift goat holders other than Gary V's word that says he needs to do shit, period. So it's really tricky. And this obviously comes down to what we've talked about many times, which is the research on the team, uh, the research on the people, on their fulfillment, on who they're associated with and all those other things. So the short, very newbie answer is no one has to do anything. Like you're literally, this is a digital handshake. Heather? Yeah, I think you need to go back and listen to our smart contract episode where we dig into this a little bit more. But to Rich's point, there can be audits done on smart contracts, but those audits really are just looking for anything that's malicious in there and making sure that there's nothing written in code that could screw you over. I don't think that'll ever necessarily happen with many projects, but that's kind of what they're there for. Um, But if this and that, I mean, you can't automate me sending you a mug with our faces on it. There's no way to automate that in the contract. So yeah, you are relying on that person's word, but I will say this rich this is something that i'm very curious about and i think i'm way more interested in than front side utility on our roadmap i think there's a big opportunity for projects to under promise over deliver in the sense of they never promise any kind of utility and then like in two years and everybody's moved on nfts are not even interested in it like oh side note boom did you know that we were going to drop this to all of our users i think that's going to be so cool to see which projects do stuff like that one day um, that you never knew about we are aligned. I am so with you. I'd rather just be like, this is it. Thank you. Yep. That is your way of demonstrating support. That is our way of creating an asset um, that could potentially do some great things. Like we don't need to go freaking balls to the wall and say we're going to change the world and put all these crazy promises in this contract, not a contract, but the roadmap or anything like that. I'm with you. You know why? Because you're a creative, I'm a creative. And sometimes the best moments are going to come, you know, 741 days from now and be like, oh shit, now we have the capacity to do this, this, and this for our community. Why don't we just hook them up blindly? I love that idea. So I'm with you. If you and I were doing a project, that's what I would do. I would I would throw out a project and promise nothing, have like the worst roadmap ever. And we're just like, here's our NFT. And then everybody be like, what? This is it? And then in like three years, you and I just like drop all kinds of yeah, crazy I think we, stuff. I think that's we should I do that. We could, we could make a video of our roadmap and we just take like one step and then it's like, you're here. <laughs> Hey guys, we're going to take a really quick break to let you know about a course that I went through that I really loved and it's called NFTs Simplified. Now, this is from Sean Specey, who came out with this really short, easy to digest NFT course to help brand new newbies learn the how and why behind NFTs, how to buy NFTs, what in the world is minting phase, secondary market, a little bit about security. I originally connected with Sean because I loved his graphics and the way that he was able to draw out and literally simplify this whole NFT game. And even being in the space for quite a while and understanding some of these basic concepts when I went through the course, I just loved it and actually learned some things. It's linked up in the show notes. It's NFTs simplified and it's only 19 bucks. So click over there, grab the course. If you're like me and you need to see things visually drawn out, Sean's going to help you out. Again, that is NFTs Simplified. This comes from Lamb Chop. Oh, do you remember Lamb Chop Sing Along? Was that? You probably didn't watch Lamb Chop Sing Along, did you? I wasn't homeschooled. I don't know what that means. Oh, 
no, that just means you're old. You were, you were in high school when that came out. But anyways, Lamb Chop from Discord asks, how do wallets get hacked? What should you look for to stay out of harm's way? And we had our man, James Rodriguez, who is also a guest on that smart contract episode that we mentioned. We'll make sure that's linked up in the show notes. But Richard, what did James say? Real quick preface, we are going to try and make an episode on hard wallets, why you should have one and how you actually use it. So we're working on that here real soon. We just got to do a little bit more research. But James said, there's a lot of different scams that are common in the NFT space. One of the biggest being <coughs> Discord. People creating false accounts with channel admin and team member names. They DM you, say they've got a free NFT or some kind of airdrop reward, have you click a link, connect your wallet, and put in your seed phrase. Yeah. I mean, like, literally. Like, just being asked for that many things is, like, red flag galore. So, he continues. No NFT team will ever ask you for your seed phrase. If the website is not the exact project's website, it's a scam 100% of the time. The easiest way to avoid being scammed is avoid links in Facebook crypto group comments, turn off your DMs in Discord, and only DM people you have added as friends. I actually don't even add people as friends on Discord. Like I just don't even fuck with that, just, just in case. That was me. And then last thing he says, if it feels like a scam, or you get a weird feeling after clicking a link, run, which you really can't do anything. You could just throw your computer in the toilet. But if it looks funny, smells funny, acts funny, land the aircraft. That's what we used to say. You know, we're flying around like, dude, it's not a familiar funk. <laughs> if, if something is making a crazy noise, then land the aircraft. We don't know what it is. What do you think? Yes, to all that. I don't know about the whole smell thing, but I know a lot of vets do if you're in the NFT space and you're minting a lot of different projects is they'll have separate wallets for minting versus holding. And again, to Rich's point, we'll dig into that. I believe it'll be next week that you guys will be able to listen to those episodes. But, you know, attaching your wallet to any kind of website is a risk. You're trusting that project with everything that's inside of your wallet. So what some people do is they have a wallet that just has enough money to mint whatever they're minting and they connect their wallet to that site, mint whatever project, and they transfer that NFT over to their main wallet, which granted, you guys know if you've been around for a little bit, that does cost a little bit in um, gas fees or a lot of it depending on the time of day. But that's one way of doing it. But essentially just know that anything you click, would you trust your child to that person, your <laughs> NFT babies. <laughs> because That's you know, he's been birthing those NFT babies for the past few months and it was painful. They cost a lot. Mm -hmm. They are a lot. Yeah. Do you want to hand them over? Look, it, they're just malicious intent out there. And if you haven't listened to our episode on aping, we talk about having that kind of other wallet. Uh, if you don't know what aping is, go ahead and check out our other episode. And also, we'll get to this last question. Heather Parody. So this one is from Discord. Alamo Fun is the person, or Alimo Fun, but I think it's Alamo. For artists that own their own business, should they have a separate MetaMask wallet set up aside from being a buyer-seller? That is for personal reasons. For tax purposes, and we have a audio clip here from TJ Hoverman. Hey, Rich and Heather. This is Thomas. How you doing? I saw your Twitter post about a question for creating a separate wallet for an artist, especially for tax purposes. And I would say a definite yes on that one. My wife is a singer and songwriter, and we recently started publishing music NFTs for her. And that's the first thing I did was create a MetaMask wallet for her and a Phantom wallet for her. 
just separated it out so none of my personal NFTs or any of my business NFTs get in or uh, mixed in with that. And plus, come tax time, it is going to be way easier to look at what income she created. So have a nice day. Thomas is awesome. Congrats to his wife. Um, I just think it's just like a regular business, keeping everything separate like you would a separate bank account. I mean, that's kind of my takeaway from that. I think, yeah, simplicity. I didn't do any of that stuff. I mean, I get it. Like, I'm always trying to optimize and keep things clean and it's really hard. But if you are going to have NFTs that you buy with business money and NFTs that you buy with personal money, that's probably a good idea. So keep it clean, so fresh and so clean. And that is all we got, Heather Parody. Let's end it with um, what's something that you've been curious, learning, interested in with NFTs yourself? Or do you have a question maybe that you don't know the answer to? Me? VFriend yeah. stuff, I had to ask some questions and then I did what any veteran would tell you to do in a Discord, like go to announcements. So I went to the announcements and then everything was kind of crystal clear. <laughs> so uh, I guess we could hit that for two seconds real quick. We get a lot of questions. There's a lot of people in VFriends Discord like, I'd like to buy a VFriends too. Like, what do I need to do? So like, basically the public mint is a 25th. If you bought a bunch of books like Heather and I did and you got book games because of them, then you got submitted on this friends list thing and then you had the opportunity to, you eventually were given a certain number of possibilities to mint and you hopefully got some. I got some, I got two out of four possibilities. I don't know how many you guys got, but we have the possibilities. The friends list means we get to mint anytime right now as we speak, today's day one for the next 12 and a half days before the public mint. So we get to mint. We don't know what we're getting. It's going to be random and revealed or whatever, but we get them at the price of $995, whatever ETH. Other than that, if you have a VFriends 1, you will get an evolved VFriends 2, which means like my reliable rat is probably going to look different or whatever and da 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 All I got to do is pay the gas fee for that. I will claim that. I have for the rest of the year to claim that. So there's an allocation for people who have VFriend, any VFriends 1 to get a VFriends 2. The third way is, again, just straight up public mint on the 25th. So those are like the major questions. Book games are over. Like buying book games at this point is not going to help you get any access to VFriends 2 or anything like that. After everything's all said and done, then it's just going to be the secondary market as usual. So those are some things that I learned yesterday. Is there anything to add on to that? I don't think so. I think you just took us to school. I wasn't ready. Oh, shit. All right. Well, here we go. I'm going to flip through our random questions. Let's go. What makes you feel like a kid again? Oh, being outside. I love being outside more than anything. Being outdoors. If I'm in a bad mood and I go sit outside, I feel great. I love running in fields and camping and hiking and, man, dirt, dude, dirt and sun. What about you? <laughs> I think like watching Saved by the Bell reruns or something like that makes me feel like a kid again. I didn't do anything as a kid. I was wa I watched a lot of TV. I did play outside and stuff, but I just ate and I just watched TV because that was like summer vacation. It's like, okay, see you guys later. But you didn't watch Lamb Chop. I don't know what Lamb Chop is, but I'll eat some Lamb Chops up in here. You just traumatized me. Thank Take you. us home, Heather. Take us home. We've mentioned multiple times in this show our Discord community. We would love to have you a part of that. Just click up the link in the show notes and join other newbies or non-newbies in there talking about all things Web3 and NFTs. We love y'all. See you soon.